Welcome to Shelve Under Podcast, the Toronto Public Library podcast for readers, writers, and everyone new to Canada. That's right, today we're talking about newcomers. My name is Mike, and I'll be talking with my colleague Christina about our experiences serving newcomers in library branches. Then I'll talk with Elsa, the library's senior services specialist for multicultural services, as well as Myrna from Costi Immigrant Services, about partnerships between the library and community agencies. And as always, we'll end with some book recommendations. Mike, what made you want to highlight the newcomer services at uh, Toronto Public Library? Well, I mean, I was sort of thinking that um, about how much my time working for the library has has impacted how I see um, newcomers and and the way that sort of my understanding of the newcomer experience has grown thanks to my time working for the library. Because um, really so much of uh, we uh, working sort of on the front desk and working on the front lines in the library. You see the sort of daily struggles um, that newcomers go through as they're trying to adjust to life in Toronto, in Canada, and that can be things like trying to come into a library branch to use a computer to fill out government forms, trying to access different services, not being aware of the different services that are in the community. Um, often, a lot of newcomers have children and they're trying to get help for their children to adapt to a new school life and a new language. Um, so I was just thinking of how much we sort of see those, those daily challenges that newcomers face and, and you know those challenges that aren't necessarily highlighted a lot um, necessarily maybe when people think about newcomers and what it's like to, to adapt to life in Canada and Toronto. Um, what have you noticed? Like any changes um, since you've been working for the library? Um, I'm not sure if I've noticed changes um, myself. I mean, I sort of don't directly, I haven't had a position that's really directly dealt with newcomers um, as part of the services that I help provide um, in a other than, other than the ways that I mentioned of helping people on the desk as they come into a branch. Um, I, we've got an interview coming up with a library staff member who is, who is much more involved with, with newcomer services in the library as, a, as, as their role. Um, I mean, a lot of things have changed around technology, which has um, brought its own benefits and complications to newcomers. You know, it's a lot easier for them to connect with uh, with family back home and sort of probably that I imagine that helps sort of the feelings of isolation that can come when you're moving to a new city or in a new country and you're, and you're not familiar with people. Um, but there's a whole host of new challenges now where, you know, with so many government forms that are going online for people that may not have internet access, they may have cha- uh, just challenges using a computer. You know, they may not necessarily have the tech, those technology skills to easily get on and know how to fill out a form online. And then, of course, there's the language barrier, where if you're just being told to fill out something online, you know, you don't have that human interaction of someone helping you fill out that form and, you know, being aware of what information you're supposed to fill out. So a lot of times as library staff, you know, we're helping people trying to answer as best as we can some of those questions when, 
you know, we're not obviously familiar with these forms ourselves in a lot of cases. So those are some changes that I've seen. Oh, and yeah, how you were saying at the beginning too, um, we don't really, I guess, notice these challenges as much or not notice. Um, like I wouldn't know what they, like I can't imagine the, the challenge it must be to come to a new country and then not knowing how to navigate all these services. Um, yeah, I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it's, um, you know, I was I was born in Toronto and uh, my family, uh, my, gra- my grandparents on my mom's side were the most recent people to immigrate to Canada, which was they came from Austria after World War II. Um, so like very, my mom is very naturalized. Uh, my dad's family has been here going back to United Empire Loyalists. Um, so, um, you know, this this experience is not one that that really I had um, any direct contact with growing up other than you know friends and their parents um, but you know as a kid you don't see what it's like when um, your your friends or the parents are are struggling to adapt to a new country or a new city and so like really just like I said my time in the library has sort of broadened my perspective of a lot of the the difficulties and challenges that come on a daily basis um, and I'm, I'm really frankly amazed at, at what people are able to accomplish and, and do and persevere to adapt to living in a new country, in a new city. Like, it's, it's really incredible to me. It is. Um, like, if I could use my mom as an example, I, she came here with very limited knowledge of English. Um, and she took classes, um, English classes at Scanning Corps and George Brown. And I can't imagine doing that and trying to find a job with your limited skills um, and then raising um, two children um, with my dad. So it's it, it's just, I don't know, I, th- I feel like sometimes we take things for granted and, you know, I guess I'm glad that you are bringing these services um, or highlighting these services because I think it's important for everybody to know about them and um, I guess what newcomers experience or what challenges they experience. Yeah, that's sort of what I was what I was trying to do with this one, um, and and I feel like this is really even heightened more now um, with the COVID nineteen pandemic. Trying to navigate a new country has become even harder for people. Mm-hmm. Um, I was reading an article today about people that had immigrated to Canada just in February, just before you know a lot of these lockdowns and everything started changing, and. You know, if you don't have a social insurance number, you're not eligible for a lot of the benefits that are happening right now. And, um, you know, you're especially isolated because you don't know people likely or potentially in a new country or new city. And there's um, no classes you can go to. (laughs) Yeah, like all those all those things are changing. And, um, you know, any a lot of information that you may have been given beforehand or or nav- or coming into Toronto, getting set up through community agencies. I mean, those a lot of that information will now have changed, and you know uh, maybe the information was translated before, but likely now the information you know it takes a while to translate things. So everything's just going to be coming out in in English first, and eventually gets translated to other languages. But there's always going to be a bit of a lag in finding out the most current information about services. And I think about all the people who, you know, maybe haven't just, you know, they've immigrated, they've been here longer than a month or so, 
but you know they're the ones who are more likely probably going to be working jobs where they still have to go out and you know they're not able to work from home um, they don't you know they don't have newcomers probably aren't as likely to, to have the jobs that give them the ability to work from home so they're the ones still going out and and delivering food and working you know essential services that are still out there um, so it's um, I'm thinking about it even more right now as this is all going on. Yeah, it's um, it's it's kind of sad when you think about it, actually. <laughs> so you interviewed uh, Elsa and Myrna. Yes, yes. So and they'll introduce themselves as well. Uh, Elsa works for the library, and Myrna works for Costi Immigrant Services. Um, and they do a lot of work together. A lot of the partnerships that the library has in providing newcomer services are with different agencies like Costi. Um, this is just one of the many agencies that the library partners with to um, help provide newcomer services within our branches. And as you'll hear in the interview as well, uh, library staff going out and um, offering services in other locations as well. Elsa, we can start with you. So if you want to tell us who you are and explain your role in TPL. Uh, so my name is Elsa. I'm the Senior Services Specialist for Multicultural Services for Toronto Public Library. So my role involves looking after the multicultural and newcomer services at TPL as a system. And can you give us some examples of things you might be working on in TPL, some projects? Um, so one project I oversee is the Library Settlement Partnerships. Um, it's a um, immigration refugee citizenship funded project. And what it is, is um, we, Tip Toronto Public Library partners with seven settlement agencies to provide um, information referral and programs for newcomers at 14 locations. So it means that they're settlement workers at 14 locations supporting um, newcomers as part of the integration journey. Um, another thing I help look after is some of the different city outreach. So for example, I'm part of the planning team that looks after the city of Toronto's uh, Toronto Newcomer annual Toronto Newcomer Day. Great. And Mirna, if you could introduce yourself and your role in Costi. So my name is Mirna and I'm the general manager for the stakeholder engagement at Costi. I'm going to talk a, a bit about Costi as Great. well. So Costi is uh, a community-based multicultural organization that has been working in the settlement sector since the year 1952. I think we are maybe 67 years old now. So we provide employment, educational settlement and social services to all immigrant communities, new Canadians, and also individuals in need of assistance. Um, some of the settlement services that we offer include like uh, helping them find a house, apply for OHIP, employment training, uh, language training. In relation to my specific role, so it's centered on overseeing the organization's stakeholder engagement. Specifically, I manage the strategic partnerships where I maintain and forge relations with like-minded organizations like TPL in the aim of complementing our services so that we ensure that the integration journey of newcomers 
um, is as easy as possible for them. I'm going to talk about this uh, because we're going to talk about TPL later. I'm going to talk about other uh, partnerships as examples. So I work closely with the Together project. And with them, we uh, match welcome groups of five of more volunteers with government-assisted uh, refugees for settlement and integration support. So the welcome group program is based on the hypothesis that when your, uh, in a way, social network uh, is big, your integration is easier and it's easy for you to become independent as well. Uh, so far, I think uh, we've uh, helped more than 400 uh, refugee newcomer families, specifically the government-assisted ones. Another example is our partnership with the Muslim Welfare Canada. So the Muslim Welfare Canada came up with the initiative since 2016 to help the Syrian families specifically by providing them a welcome home kit. But now we uh, are in a way delivering this welcome home kit to all our uh, government assisted refugees. This in a way gives the newcomers a feeling that they are welcomed by their communities and the welcome kits is really essential because it contains around 30 plus items of linens, blankets, cleaning supplies, groceries and kitchenware items as well. In addition to partnerships, I also oversee our volunteer program because we realized that uh, volunteers specifically for our work is key. They help us uh, in a way to welcome also the newcomers that we work with. And we have many different uh, positions for uh, newcomers, uh, for volunteers. And for the people that are coming in and are coming into Costi, uh, why are they coming to Canada? I will talk about my own experience and what I've heard about from other newcomers. So I came here because I felt for me it's a, the land of diversity. It's peaceful here and I will find education opportunities that fit my aspirations and my children's aspirations. I hear also the newcomers say almost the same. They feel that they will have opportunities to start maybe their own business or better work opportunities. For refugees, it's a safe haven. Mm -hmm. They feel they will be able to live safely with their children and have a better future. And and you mentioned the the integration journeys Mm -hmm. that newcomers go through when they come to Canada. Uh, So what is life like for someone coming to Canada, either as a newcomer or refugee? When we talk about integration, it's not easy. Like there are many uh, stages and factors that affect one's integration. I passed some in, uh, in some of them. But the main ones are uh, knowing the language of the country you're settling in, uh, being able to have the opportunity to find employment, uh, finding houses, housing, also uh, access to health services, education services, your civic engagement and social capital as well. So all of these are factors that affects the integration. And I think uh, at Costi and uh, in a way Elsa's role is that we work together in the hope of helping newcomers overcome some of these integration barriers so that we make their settlement journey in a way easier. 
And Elsa, does that match what we're seeing in our library branches as well and what you see in your role? Yes. Um, I know that like a lot of families come also for family reunification, but part of that is also about opportunities, safety, and it's also is challenging, I think, in our time. I know that for some newcomers, it's, it's, a, it's a big move. From, to move from one country to another. There's a lot of things to worry about. There's a lot of things to understand. And given the fast information that's out there, um, it is easier for, for some newcomers, but it's harder as well mm. because there's so much information out there. There's so much to digest. There's so much to understand that sometimes it's hard to distinguish what information is actually credible and what's not. And I think that's what makes it hard and easy at the same time. Is there anything that you're doing or the library's doing to try to help people direct them to better information? So yeah, at the library, we have welcome documents that's been translated into 40 languages and it lists out all the different things that the library can help um, newcomers with. Uh, we have uh, resources that will help newcomers. For example, we have most of our branches have ESL collections and um, in a lot of our branches, we have multilingual collections and also our staff are equipped to understand how to help newcomers with like um, finding information. And in addition, as I mentioned, the library settlement partnerships, the settlement workers at the 14 locations are always there to assist with um, information referral and um, programs that are catered and customized to the newcomer's needs. So then the five themes that usually come up, as Myrna also mentioned, is health, education, employment, housing, and um, sense of belonging. Okay. Uh, and Myrna, what, um, as you've been working um, with newcomers and with Costi, what changes have you seen? Um, is it is it easier or harder for newcomers now to come to Canada? From what I've seen, I've been working in the sector now for four years, and I always see it as evolving and changing to meet the needs of the newcomers. I can give like one one example from our, based on our experience working with the Syrian uh, refugee newcomers. There were specific programs that no one, you're not entitled to enroll in if your English level was, mm -hmm. I think, four, uh, five. But because we've noticed that these, many of the Syrian refugees, uh, refugee newcomers who came to the greater Toronto area and other areas in Canada, their level of English is a bit lower. So they lowered the benchmark for specific uh, programs like the entrepreneurship programs because many of the Syrians wanted to start their own business. So this is like one example of how I see the sector adapting. Another example is the coordination within the sector. So one of the means of coordination, and I think Toronto Public Library is part of this as well as us, is the local immigration partnerships, where community organizations come together to develop and implement local settlement strategies so that we enhance the service delivery to newcomers while promoting effectiveness and in a way, innovation as well. And it's good for a lot of different community agencies to be part of the LIPS yeah. and to be part of like, to know about the community because through the LIPS, there's different services and information that come through that, mm -hmm. you know, you can kind of keep an eye on everything, on yeah. everything, yeah. Okay. On, on, on also on specific needs 
because um, as we, uh, I think we haven't mentioned is we do know that um, sometimes newcomers have a lot of pressures, have a lot of barriers to manage, so their, their mental health needs to be looked after as well. Mm -hmm. So there's now more agencies that focus Focusing, on, yeah. on mental health of the newcomers. Of the newcomers, exactly. And here we should, I think, also mention the use of technology in the last maybe four, 10 years as mm -hmm. well by the settlement sector. For example, we have a specific program called Ori Orientation to Ontario, which supports newcomers to Ontario and ensures their, in a way, smooth transition. It has resources about many topics like uh, how to get a driver license um, in, on webinars, for example, how to search for housing, how to rent a house or how to buy a house as well. So all of these uh, webinars are also important and we're using technology, as I said which we didn't use before. And I've seen specifically with the Syrian project, uh, uh, a lot of use of the social media as well, mm -hmm. as a means to support uh, the community that came. Great. Uh, what are some common misconceptions you hear about newcomers? <laughs> there are many actually. <laughs> One of them that I keep uh, hearing is that we always in Canada bring refugees uh, as immigrants more than any other class. And here, based on the statistics of 2017, 58% of the uh, immigrants that came were uh, under the economic immigration category. And then we have another quarter on the family class and only 15% are refugees. So this is one of the misconceptions. And based on the number of UNHCR uh, refugees, it's 1.2 million. So what we're bringing to resettle in Canada is like really minimal compared to the worldwide numbers. And sorry to interrupt, just um, can you explain a little bit about uh, economic class of immigrant versus family class, just for people that might not be familiar? So the economic class is the skilled, mainly the skilled immigrants, those who have skills and are coming to mainly for work opportunities. The family class, it's like family reunification or sponsoring a member mm -hmm. of your family. Okay. Um, and is there, I interrupted you there. Any other misconceptions? Um, the other one is that refugees and immigrants are a strain on our Canadian economy and they drain our resources. Here I would say that our immigration policy is designed to attract skilled workers mm -hmm. and most immigrants bring diverse education experience and are invaluable resources. And as I mentioned earlier, many of them do uh, start their own business, they are, like they are business entre uh, entrepreneurs. And this is actually helping our economy. It's not a burden on our economy. And just adding to uh, Marina's point, um, there's also <coughs> the misconception that newcomers take away jobs mm -hmm. um, and to use the words of um, the co-founder of Peace by Chocolate, um, mm. Tarek Hadhad. He had mentioned many times at his different interviews that in immigrants are not here to take away jobs. They actually come here to create jobs because a lot of them are um, entrepreneurs and they start small business and they actually create jobs to make um, the economy more vibrant. Great. Uh, so we've talked a lot about joint 
projects mm-hmm. and um, and work that's done between community agencies and the library. So Elsa, um, if you could explain a bit um, some joint projects that TPL and Costi have worked on together. So Mirna and I have been working together since 2016. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we started working together um, because of all the work that um, both um, partners been doing for the Syrian newcomers. Um, we connected by having the library staff go into the different um, hotel sites mm-hmm. where the um, government assisted refugees were staying temporarily. And library staff would go in and do story time for the families. And um, we also tried to bring in um, additional um, children's programs to um, let the kids be kids again. And just as a way to introduce the library to the um, newcomers so that they know that wherever they resettled, um, they can look for a public library and there'll be free resources. There'll be um, children's programs. There'll be um, family programs. There'll be programs that will cater to the parents, to the grandparents. for their business needs, for their community needs, there's a library there to help out. And um, it started in 2016 and we continue on to 2017. Mm -hmm. And that's when the wave of asylum seekers um, started to come. And since then we've been working together to continue the story time, but this time is for the asylum seekers at the different sites. And um, we're still continuing on at three three sites. And um, it's usually about weekly to bi-weekly story time. But last year, um, we were able to have a community librarian at some of the sites to provide in-person library service. So um, the community librarian would offer um, programs that's customized to the client's needs. And that could be from user education to um, looking up, navigating the information systems that we have in Canada, um, and also programs for the kids. Um, she will also make library cards on site, and um, she would explain all the different uses of the library cards and the library services and programs to the um, clients on site. This is, in a way, uh, one of my favorite that we've did together, the uh, mobile library mm-hmm. one. And the other one is when you had additional, you remember, when you had additional funding and you were able to bring specific uh, cultural activities yes. to the different centers. Mm-hmm. And one of them was uh, the Indigenous Puppet Show. Yes. It was for me, like, for me uh, personally and for the children in the different uh, shelters, an experience to start also knowing about First Nations mm-hmm. here in in Canada. So I really enjoyed it uh, as well, and the children enjoyed it. So Mirna, what impact does a partnership like this have on, on people who are settling into Canada? At Costi, we're really grateful for our partnership with Toronto Public Library, and the impact has been phenomenal because we've seen children starting picking up the language, even those who have zero knowledge of the language. So after the storytelling sessions, they start like saying, hello, thank you. They can introduce themselves as well. In addition, because the different uh, librarians who come on site, they talk about specific uh, community or cultural events. So they also start, uh, in a way, are introduced to the different uh, activities that we have and they start to know about our culture here in Canada. So I see it as uh, really crucial for their integration process. 
because many of them forgot forgot about uh, like school many of them uh, like the specifically the government assisted refugees they come before they came to Canada they have been living in camps and they were out of school for years so like some of them it will be maybe the first time for them to hold the story in their hands so this is really important as well and what impact does the library see for the families they're finding more time to bond again that's mm. how i see it um also because they also get to meet with other families because you know some of the some of the sites are pretty big right so they might not see each other and it's a way for them to get together and come together and learn something together and enjoy half an hour of fun song and music and reading and also the kids love to do the crafts um i've seen so many times the kids would <laughs> complete the craft and bring it to the staff and say and just showing to the staff how proud they are to come have completed mm-hmm. the craft and how much joy it brings to them and it, again is to highlight that you know library isn't just the building we can be out in the community and be part of the community um so we'd like to end with some book recommendations uh so Elsa if you want to start us off mm. with some book recommendations um <laughs> for people about the immigrant experience they could be fiction non-fiction so I'll start with one that um it's been one of my latest favorite it's called a uh, seven suitcases is by children of a um Syrian newcomer family who um are staying in Guelph and it's a picture book and it's about um a 7-8 year old girl how she sees her journey from where she was to Canada um and it's Canadian that's why I'm promoting it because we read the north and the other one is by um Malala we are displaced um is about her journey and stories from other refugee girls from around the world sharing their experience and how they come about to where they are um one is by um it's an immigrant story and it's by Olivia Chow is called my journey and it actually talks about how she started mm-hmm. in Canada how she um started as a school trustee to the time she's running to well as to become a politician um in Toronto and in Ontario and the last one I'll talk about is the boat people by Sharon Bala um this one is based on a true event mm-hmm. and it's about a group of um Tamil refugees um how from them leaving their country to arriving to Canada what the process is like but i think what i love about this book is how Sharon Bala really speaks to the anxiety the nervousness and all the obstacles that the refugees have to go through in order to come and may may or may or not get to stay in Canada And Mirna, do you have some book recommendations for us too? Did gonna... I steal all your books? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm going to talk about one that um my daughter is reading currently it's called uh, Nujin it's um uh, her memoir but uh, Christina Lamb uh, is the one who helped her finalize it it's about a girl from Aleppo uh, and her uh, story about escaping uh, the war and going to Germany and she she's a girl with uh, a disability so it's really an interesting one The other one I'm going to talk about is the resilience and triumph of immigrant women uh, who tell their stories by the book uh, 
project collective it has different stories about uh, women it's really an inspiring one like you hear different stories how they in a way integrated and the journeys they went through and some of their successes as well Great. Well, thank you both so very much for coming in and sharing your experiences and your knowledge with us today. I think uh, think people have hopefully learned a lot about the newcomer experience and the way both of our organizations uh, work to help newcomers and refugees settle in Toronto. So thank you. Thank, thank you. So that was a great interview. Um, I learned a lot more of the services that the library offered. I didn't realize how much uh, they did in the partnerships that we had. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you know, not all branches have um, settlement workers on them. It's usually sort of some of our larger branches may have them. I think you've been at, at some branches that have had settlement workers. Yeah, we have Stanley. And it's been great just watching him uh, work with his clients and just how I guess rewarding it is um, to see the process um, and the things that they have to deal with. So um, that's also opened my eyes as well. Um, yeah, it's great. I think it's a wonderful service. I've worked sort uh, with some of the settlement counselors sometimes uh, on something called the Newcomer Orientation Week, and um, this is done typically in August for newcomer students who will be entering high school for the first time. And they often um, sort of partner up with the local branch, um, and they sort of ha they have the students for a week to sort of get them ready for school and take them around the city and get them oriented to what life going to high school is going to be like. And usually, one afternoon or morning of that week is going into a library branch, getting them set up with library cards, and having a staff member sort of provide an overview of some of the library services that they'd be able to get access to uh, to help them out in high school. Um, so I've been able to partner with, with the assignment workers a couple of times at a couple of branches that I've been at um, for the Newcomer Orientation Week, which is always a lot of fun. Um, and it's just like one of the many, many programs that they help organize in branches. Mm -hmm. um, I really like that line that Elsa had said something about um, the library not just being a building and being part of the community. And I feel like this is such a wonderful thing to do and... Um, a nice intro i feel like if i ever move to see like when i've lived in a different city i find that um going to a library has been the one of the first things that i do and i think this is great yeah uh, but it's also interesting too because people come in with their own cultural understandings of what a library is um so depending on where they come from you know um the library may not necessarily be free so that's i don't know if that's a question you've encountered a lot as you're maybe making someone a, their first toronto public library card uh, but oftentimes at the end of it they just kind of go like so what does this cost like do i have to pay anything and it's always nice to just be able to say like no this is all free this is all things you can access um Oh, for free. That's really interesting because when I do register for cards, I do get that question a lot and that surprised me, but it kind of shouldn't because when I um, lived in London and Wakefield, I um, when I signed up for a library card, the card itself was free, but I remember borrowing either a CD or DVD and having to pay to do that, um, but not for books. So I thought that was interesting. And then I thought, oh, wow, Toronto really has a great system where everything is free. So... Yeah, and 
you know, people can get a library card, you know, regardless of their citizenship status and things like that. So it's always, um, we are really one of those points in the city and the community that we get to welcome people um, to their new life in Toronto. <laughs> so I always, I always feel, I really feel like privileged that I get to be part of that process and, and really welcoming people into the city. Um, yeah, it's, it's like it's this it's this wonderful part about working for the library. It is great. And I, I think it was Myrna that mentioned that they have a, a welcome kit that includes, um, I think, linen and food or something. I thought that was also like a nice gesture, because I guess when you're moving to a new place, you also don't have a lot of things right away. Yeah. I mean, you know, the the work that these community agencies do is is really tremendous. Um I know, obviously. So this this interview, I should say, was recorded um, back in late January. So obviously, you know, the world has changed quite significantly um, since this was recorded. Um, so Costi has gone online with a lot of their their classes now. Um, so they're they're doing all their education and training online. Um, they are still operating. I know they have at least one. Um, sort of family shelter that they operate in the city, um, so that is still going on. But, but the way they've had to offer all these services has has changed significantly as well. Um, and you know, so my hat gets off. My hat goes off to them for for adapting and and still doing their best to try to try to help newcomers and people settling in Toronto during this time. Yeah, it's it's amazing what they've had to like come up with and adapt to the time. So. It's wonderful that they're still able to provide um, some services. Uh, so there's no easy segue to this, but uh, maybe do you want to get into some of our book recommendations as well? Sure. Um, so my first one is actually a children's book um, called Grandfather's Journey by Alan Say. And it's kind of an autobiographical book about his grandfather who traveled to North America and then eventually um, immigrated to California. Um but while he was there, he still, um, sorry, he came from Japan. Um, so he missed Japan when he was living in California. Um, and he, but then he picked up, moved his family and went back to Japan. But when he was in Japan, he dreamt of California. <laughs> so it's um, this moment of, I guess, uh, struggling between, not struggling, um, between, I guess, being between two homes and figuring out where is home. And there was a nice line at the end where it's written, um, the moment I'm in one country, I'm homesick for the other. So it's, I think on top of like learning a new language, it's just figuring out where you belong and where home is. And it's such a beautifully illustrated book. And yeah, <laughs> how about you? Uh, so the first one that I have to recommend um, is uh, graphic nonfiction. Uh, this is available in Overdrive. It is called Open Borders, The Science and Ethics of Immigration by Brian Kaplan and Zach Wienersmith. And this is, like I said, it's a nonfiction book. And it is um, an interesting one that I sort of stumbled across um, and is an economic view of immigration and um, the writer's idea that there should just be open borders everywhere. Oh. Um, yes, which is, uh, it's a bit extreme, I will admit, and this is not something that I uh, 
agreed with completely all the points, um, but it was it was a good book that challenged how I view things. Uh, so Brian Kaplan is an economist, and um, so his is largely an an economics based view of immigration and the economic benefits that um, can come out of allowing more immigration into countries, but also with a an ethical side of um, by allowing open borders and letting people immigrate to wherever they wish and to places that will um, have a higher quality of life, there is also an ethical component where um, you're improving the quality of life of people who are immigrating to certain countries, as well as improving the economic state in that country by allowing more immigration. Huh. Did that make sense? I think so. <laughs> okay. I, I, can't, I can't even picture that as a as a graphic novel. Yeah, um, it's it's actually it's really well done, um, and sort of a lot of the visual. It's one of those ones where because it uh, it is sort of academic, and you know it is based on on the research that Brian Kaplan has done. The visuals do help to if you're a more visual learner to help explain some of the concepts mm-hmm. that he talks about. Um, so. I've never read anything like this. Like I, I had never heard of this open borders theory before, mm. um, and so, so to me, I really enjoyed it because it was, you know, just this new way of viewing borders and immigration and both the, the economic and ethical side of it. Um, so yeah, I really recommend that one. Like I said, we do have it in, in Overdrive, so you would still be able to access access it right now. Um, and that was Open Borders, The Science and Ethics of Immigration. Oh, that's so interesting. <laughs> and what's your next uh, recommendation? It's called The Ward, The Life and Loss of Toronto's First Immigrant Neighborhood. And it's edited by John Lawrence, uh, Michael McQuelland, Ellen Schneiberg, sorry, Scheinberg, and Tatum Taylor. And it's a collection of essays um, by various uh, writers that talk about the neighborhood that was pretty much demolished. That's the area that's I think bounded by college and Queen Youngin University, and it's a lot of um, newcomers and immigrants call that place home, and it was considered a slum. So it's it's a nice, I guess, introduction to to Toronto's history. But it's it's a great um, look into the city's history of um, of a very diverse um, neighborhood, and which was also poverty stricken. So uh, yeah. It's a nice look into our history. Yeah, it is amazing how much of um, the city has has changed, and you know, sort of how neighborhoods change over time as well. Mm-hmm. So you had another. Um, so what's your next recommendation? Uh, I'm going to recommend a documentary. This is available in the TPL catalog, but only as a DVD. But I actually found out that it is uh, available on YouTube because it's from PBS, so it is available online. And it's a it's a tough one to watch. It's called For Sama, and it is a documentary uh, made by a journalist in Aleppo. And her husband is one of the few doctors left in Aleppo, and they're running a hospital. Oh, I think um, I've heard of this one. Yes, I think it, it was um, it was nominated for an Academy Award oh, uh, right. either this year or last year. Um, and they have a child together, their daughter Sama. So they, um, the, the documentary is chronicling their experience in Aleppo, keeping this hospital open and running um, while constantly getting bombed and 
and not sure of whether or not to leave the country and dealing with all the the conflicting feelings of of how do they help their country how do they you know stay for potentially to rebuild it versus their you know struggle for survival um it does have a lot of graphic imagery because it does take place in a hospital um if you are if you are a parent um and you have trouble watching um especially um things bad things happening to children i would not recommend this one um i this is one i had to like watch in like three different sittings just because it it's it's a bit of a gut-wrenching um documentary um but for I, I like to get um, or I find the way I best understand things sometimes is visually so seeing that first person view of what Aleppo looked like and what life was like there um, during constant bombings and air raids um, this is this was the best thing that I've seen to really get me to understand how bad things were there so if you are in the mood for a really depressing documentary right now. Depressing is maybe not the right word, but it's like I said, it's it's a tough one to watch. Um, but I would I would really recommend it just to um, really understand what people were going through and what they were fleeing. Um, it's it was just absolutely incredible, um, and that once again is called For Sama. Wow, I'll I'll put that on my to watch list. So my next recommendation would be. Uh, it's a graphic memoir called Almost American Girl by Robin Haw, and I just finished this, and it's about a mother who takes her daughter from South Korea to um, the States uh, on a supposed vacation, but they end up moving there, and she doesn't tell her daughter this. Um, so the daughter has a f- hard time or Robin, has a hard time, uh, I guess, adjusting to this new life. And eventually her mother enrolls her in a comic drawing class, and it's helped her overcome the challenges of belonging and fitting into this new society. Um, And I highly recommend it. It's very touching, and it's I found myself relating a lot to Robin, even though I was born in Toronto, but it was just like, just being because of my ethnicity, it's, you're always, I guess, it's kind of sad to say, but I'm always considered the other. So I related to that fact in this book. So I highly recommend it. Yeah, that is a really good one. Um, I feel like we could just give all our recommendations of of graphic memoirs of people. Oh and my gosh, yeah. The, immig- the immigrant, the immigrant experience in graphic memoir, like it's it's, it's fantastic. It's a really wonderful genre. We should do an episode some- on this. I, I really could. I was I was trying my best not to just give graphic novel recommendations for all of these. Um, and because there were a lot of really great ones, and that's one. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks for the great recommendations, Christina. And it was great talking to you as always. You too. Chat soon. Bye. Mike Warner and Christina Wong work for the library. Elson again is a librarian who oversees multicultural and newcomer services at Toronto Public Library. Myrna is the manager of stakeholder engagement and Costi Immigrant Services. You can learn more about Costi at www.costi.org. Music by Highs. Shell Under Podcast is a Toronto Public Library production. 
It is produced by Wendy Banks, Jason Bizadian, Ted Belke, Michael Warner, and Christina Wong. With production assistance by George Panayotu. 